Hello, Internet. Welcome to another episode of This on That, the show where we see someone we like talk about something they like. As always, I am Mike Soleri, and with me is... Chad Foglin. That's me. And today's episode is a very special episode. Yeah. In a in, in sense that Chad wasn't there. No, I, I had other things to do. <laughs> I don't remember what was happening that day. Uh, I think you were uh, working. Like you had, a, you have a job as far oh, as I, you, yeah. you have one of those, right? Don't remind me. Um, so, and this episode is special in a different way. You're going to listen to it. You're going to hear. It doesn't sound as pretty as it normally does. We recorded it offsite. Um, as today's guest is Frank Turner. If you don't know Frank Turner, Frank Turner is such a cool guy. You didn't get a chance to meet him. I wish you did. He, He's like the nicest person ever, but he's also like his music is insanely good. He's this punk rock guy who now plays folk music and he's from England and he's just all around great guy. And we sat down and I felt weird cheating on you in this moment, Chad. Oh, it's fine. Because, well, no, we talked about middle America <gasps> and that was one of the like... When I said, hey, Chad, if we send, like, 100 topics to a group of people, like, just to give them ideas, what would it be? And you sent me, like, five topics. This was, like, one of those topics. Because that's where I'm from. I'm from middle America. Yeah, and I, I mention you. You're going to hear me mention Chad's from Nebraska in the podcast. But oh, that's the perspective I had on, on middle America. <laughs> middle- Perfect. Well, I, I wish you were there because it would have been nice. But, um, again, so uh, if you can get past the sound, it's just a little softer. It's not as crisp and not as clear as um, we are when we're in the Nerdist school booths. But uh, when you get through it, we have an, it's just an, a great conversation that we had about Middle America. All right, Mike. I'll listen to the episode, and I'll give you notes. You haven't, you haven't listened to it yet? I'm going to listen to it right now. All right. And so are you, because here's episode three of This on That. Here we uh, go. Middle, Frank Turner on Middle America. So you got here. There's a, tu- a tsunami. Like, yeah, didn't I expect saw that. that. <laughs> yeah, that was. I, I was Google mapping something this morning, and there was a little thing at the bottom that said tsunami warning. And you like, might be like, "Oh, are you okay?" Like, yeah. Well, it was just that thing. It's like you know, usually it's like traffic warning or something oh. like that. You know. <laughs> And it was like tsunami when I was like, the my, fuck? Well, my, I had a look at it and it told me that the, the tsunami warnings were for like three hours. Oh yeah, and so my, my roommate runs into my room and is like, uh, do you have friends who live by the beach? I'm like, no, I'm sleeping, why? And well, also, it, it said on the thing I looked at that the wave's gonna be like a foot, foot above. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really minor, I think, on our end. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never, I don't, you don't see that too often. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, Middle America. Mm. You you pick. I mean, out of all the things you yeah. picked, what fascinates you the most about that? Well, okay, let's start at the beginning of this. Um, uh, I'm an Englishman, you know, and like um, a lot of people in England. American culture is very ubiquitous in, in, in Europe, you know? Mm-hmm. We watch American films. I know what a senior prom is, despite the fact that they're not existing in my country. That kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and that's fine, but I mean, it means that lots of people have opinions about America, and England is full of people who have these slightly armchair opinions about America. And I was definitely one of them when I was younger. And then, um, and then that's then added to by the fact that lots of English people then go to New York and L.A., and then they come home and that's their opinion about America kind of gets slightly reinforced by those places almost. And um, 
again, I think I've fed into that category, but I've just been fortunate enough over the years that I've done loads and loads of proper, what I regard as proper American touring. As in not just doing kind of like a fly in, you know, Boston, New York, Chicago, LA, and then you go home again. And it's like, I've done like, I've done many, many shows in Ohio. I've got, I think I've got 43 out of 51, if you include DC, 50, uh, states under my belt now that I've played in. Um, I'm going for my full 50. Great. Um, my booking agent knows this. He's trying to get me a show. In Mississippi. Oh, it's like a, it's a point of pride. Like I, it's, I'm it's got to this. All. It's got to this point now. I mean, apparently there's nowhere to play in Mississippi or West Virginia, but I'm like, dude, it's got to happen. <laughs> South, South Dakota is also proving challenging right now, but fuck it, we're gonna do it. Um, <laughs> you know, and, I wanna, and and it's I don't know. It's just like you suddenly realize once you get out of the kind of the sort of the headline cities, if you like, that um, I I feel like. I, I think it's I think it's slightly crass and, and meaningless to start talking about the real America because that's bullshit. Um, but but I think that there's certainly well, there's, there's like nine real Americas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, But I mean, I think that there's definitely there's a, that I feel like my understanding of what America is uh, changed massively when I started touring. Um, oh, the other places. The other places, yeah. And you know, I did some early days touring where I was just driving around in cars playing playing. Coffee shops and like, I mean, we did one run where we started in Texas and ended up in, um, uh, is it Bellingham? Um, in in where? Washington State. It's just south of the border, Bellingham, Washington. Uh, so, yeah, and we drove, we went from Texas over to like San Diego and then all the way, like all the way up the coast and there was no people at any of the shows. It was great. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I did like a house show tour of Florida and then. Got out and did the first time the band came out. You know, we did a long, long run with Fog and Molly. You know, and it's just yeah. like I know, just America looks different from Lansing, Michigan, than it does from Brooklyn. You oh, know for sure. I mean? And 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 my affection for America, which is deep seated and 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 inexhaustible, is much more related to the middle bits of America than it is to um, the kind of mm-hmm. like say the headline cities. I mean, no, with no offense to New York and LA, but I mean, I find them much less interesting than than the middle bits. So I pulled up the Wikipedia de- definition of what the Middle America is, right. and it's a colloquial term for the United States heartland, especially the, control- the culturally conservative rural and suburban areas of the United States. And yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, okay, then this is the next thing to talk about. My yeah. experience of the world um, is, I am I'm painfully aware it comes through a weird filter, which is that I tour, I play music, and the people I meet are generally people who want to come and see me play music. And um, that's not that's not the only people I meet. Obviously, you know, I go out and try and meet people, go and eat in diners and all the rest of it. But um, uh, you know, I'm not. I know I'm aware that I'm not meeting a kind of completely statistically representative cross section of the population in the places that I go to. Um, obviously, I'm not an idiot. But like, you know, I. I um, I remember like years ago I was playing Bonnaroo Festival yeah. right I was playing solo and I flew out from the UK and it was just me and um, I can't drive yes there it is I said it I don't know how to drive but uh, <laughs> and uh, I was looking around and I had been booked quite late and there was basically nowhere to stay that was anywhere near the festival site by this point which is in Manchester, Tennessee and um uh, I found a place that was like 40 minutes drive away and I've got some good friends from Birmingham, Alabama and I called Amy up and I said listen here's the deal I'll get you like tickets the whole weekend if you can like drive over send a motel like me and her and her boyfriend kind of thing we'll hang out and you guys drive and in return I get you like free drinks and tickets to the festival and all the rest uh-huh. of it she said cool so we had this awesome weekend and like so the place the motel we found where we could actually stay was 40 minutes drive away from the festival and it was in like I think the technical term is buttfuck middle of nowhere <laughs> um, in, in Tennessee and I can't remember the name of the town but it was 
Uh, and, it, and there was like sort of one family run diner and it was pretty kind of like from the movies do you know what I mean it was like rural Tennessee kind of thing and we've all I've got tattoos Amy has tattoos her boyfriend at the time had a lot of tattoos and a mohawk and you know we walk in kind of looking like punks essentially and you know in your head you've got all these kind of like you know the record scratches off and we don't take kindly to you around here kind of shit or whatever and we walked in and, the, and the, this, the, the woman came and like sat us down she was like oh my you got lovely tattoos and she was just super friendly and it was just really nice and everyone was really cool and you know and she was asking why we were there and all the rest of it so I don't know I, my point being that I mean obviously I, 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 I was I was querying the word conservative in that definition that oh yeah, yeah, yeah no I mean that's just what the internet has it yeah, 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 and I course, think that there's there's definitely a when you people think middle America or say it there's a stereotypical way to kind of uh, designate like simple or simplicity or to pander to yeah. to that kind of thing I mean it's it's so weird because there definitely is so many sections of it there's right. the get out of our town kind of like area there's the there's the more homeful people like that waitress you said yeah so, then, well this is the thing you know what guess what there's just in people are different and and, and, I, find, <laughs> and, and I and I find it really kind of frustrating when you get people who are kind of like um, you know people who will castigate and this applies to the UK as well to be honest actually to a lesser degree but I mean I grew up in the countryside and there's a lot mm-hmm. of people in London who are fucking rude about the countryside um, and like you know it's like if you're castigate if you <laughs> there's something some sort of there's something between ironic and stupid between castigate and sort of classifying an entire group of people and going, oh, well, they're all fucking racist ticks. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> you I'm just... sure we get that a lot. Uh, yeah, but, it, but, it's, but, it's, but it's just kind of like, you know what? You just classified a whole group of individuals right. by one thing, which is what the problem with racism is. Do you well, know what I mean? Well, and like... the thing is, people are individuals. There's you, the people, right. one person standing yeah. next to another person is completely Quite. And you know what? I'm sure there's a whole lot of dickheads in the, in the middle of America. Um, and, as as there are in the cities. Yeah, there's a lot of dickheads in New York too, you know. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, I, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, that, I mean, my one of my sort of central philosophical planks in my approach to life is just this idea that, that you should never prejudge anyone. You should never have an opinion about somebody before you've met them, you know, because everybody has a story to tell and a, and a place they've come from and, and all the rest of it. And of course. There'll be influences from that kind of thing, but I don't know. I'm, I'm being vague at the moment, but like, oh, yeah, you, know, you should you should never you should never have an opinion about somebody because of where they're from, you know, but before you've met them, it, it doesn't mean you should never call someone an asshole. If someone's being an asshole, call them an asshole. But like, the right. idea is like, hey man, that guy's from that guy's from you know Idaho. Fuck him, kind of thing. It's like until you met the guy, like fuck off, you know, <laughs> shut up. It it seems like, and I don't know if you experience this a lot, but people use it almost as like an excuse, like. Someone will say something either like offensive or just doesn't make sense or it's uh, like off topic or whatever's coming on. And someone will be like, "Oh, it's okay. He's from Alabama." Or not, yeah. it's okay, but like yeah. that's the reason why he's. That's the point of view. Right. Totally. Uh, and it's kind of like if it's a bullshit thing to say, it's a bullshit thing to say, and people should be pulled up on it. You yeah. know. Um, but it's funny. I mean, it's funny you mentioned Alabama. I've got something. I've got a weird connection with Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. Just, please. Got, it, go yeah. On. I just. I, you know. Okay. So the story goes. I was doing a kind of early years tour. It was me and a band called Fake Problems from Florida. Mm-hmm. And we started in, um, started in LA and we drove to Pensacola. And it was like three weeks and we did the whole of the... It's the 10, isn't it? Yeah, we did the yeah. whole of the 10. 
and um, playing to fucking no one. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I remember we played like a we played in like a scout hut in El Paso to like three kids who were sizing up whether or not we were worth robbing, um, <laughs> uh, and this kind of thing. So that that was a brutal tour, but it was funny because like I was sort of opening for fake problems. It was. F- I mean, it's not no people. There were some cool shows along the way. The LA show we were in Echo Park, and that was pretty cool. Um, and once we got to Florida, it was pretty cool. But there was a, there were quite a few kind of pretty like dry shows in the middle. And then we went to Birmingham, Alabama on the tour. I'd never been anywhere near the place before. And we got to, and we played this place called Cave Nine that was like a re- sort of squatted rehearsal studio type vibe. Mm-hmm. And we got in and there was like 120 people there, which by the standards of that tour was like fucking Madison Square Garden yeah. or whatever, you know. Well, it's way different than three. Yeah, and we were like, huh, okay. And then I was just doing half an hour before Fake Problems kind of thing, just mm-hmm. warming up. And everybody knew all the words to my songs. And this is before I had any records out in this country, officially. And everyone, myself included, was kind of looking at each other, kind of going, what the fuck? <laughs> Who are these people and why do they know what's going on? And then Fakey Peas got up and they did like an hour or something. But afterwards, like the guys in Fake Problems were like, handed me back my guitar and they were like, dude, do some more songs. Like people came here to see you, not us. And, and, I, was, and I was sort of on stage, I was sort of saying, it was like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> and it transpired, there's a guy called George Cowgill, who's now a good friend of mine. He runs um, the punk rock bar in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, okay. For a friend of his from England or something had sent him some records and and he basically sort of glued them in the jukebox in this bar and he'd been playing them over and over again. This I is why. Also, every night when people are getting drunk, that like, yeah. some song comes on, becomes right. a ritual. Yeah. So I sort of accidentally built a fan base in Alabama without doing anything about it. So <laughs> and and since then, like you know, um, I had a really good time and like it, I was, uh, you know, I got a, good, a lot of good friends down there. My friend Amy, who I mentioned earlier, yeah. like. We used to crash at a house. I was sort of briefly seeing a girl from Birmingham for a time. It didn't really work out because of distance. But yeah, um, but, uh, yeah it was just like, I don't know, I just had a lot, of, a lot of time for Birmingham. And Birmingham's an interesting place because obviously it was the centre of the civil rights, you know, um, right, yeah. upheavals is the word yeah, I'm looking yeah. for, you know. And, and there's a lot of kind of, there was a lot of kind of horrible racism down there. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm sure there still is. And they're not people I generally encounter because I mean, I know the punks yeah. from Birmingham do you know what I mean like we don't, we, we, we don't yeah. care like whatever right but this is the thing it's like you meet these people and it's like they, they are well I, I was going to say they're hard done by history I'm not sure that's quite what I mean because of course like I say it is true and it is a fact that there was a lot of really fucking despicable racism down there but I think it reminds me of kind of like Derry in Northern Ireland in a way because it's a place or Belfast um, you know, cities that, that have been slightly shat on by history and a lot of the younger people there have this vibe of just kind of being like fuck that man like please don't judge us by that you know that might have been our parents generation or whatever but like we're we, we don't want to be the present we, we yeah really you know we don't we, we don't want to be kind of like judged by what other people did before you know and that's not to say of course that now that suddenly Birmingham's a kind of like wonderful paradise with no problems of course it's not but I know like I've had good times down there and with good people so I want to get into the whole um bit about how location really does play a part in making these individuals because Living by, I, I've always been by a coast. I have never not lived by a coast. And I'm sure that that's a part of somehow that I grew up, as I'm sure however uh, you were surrounded by grew, grew you up. So I think back to like the people who grow up in Nebraska and Chad, who's my co-host who, can't, who couldn't be here today, that's where he's from. And uh, I just like, tells me there's nothing, there's not yeah, much yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And then you think about like, what, what do I do on a daily basis versus the kids in like the city who have uh, a, a cornucopia 
mm-hmm. of opportunities to, to get out and do stuff and how, yeah. how does that limit you? So Totally. Well, yeah. Well, and instantly it's funny you mentioned Nebraska, by the way, because first, the first time I heard the phrase Middle America, I'm pretty sure it was the Count and Crows on Omaha. Mm-hmm. Which is Omaha, somewhere in middle America. Mm-hmm. If you get right to the heart of matters, it's the heart that matters more. Love that fucking band. Anyway, um, I mean, it's the way that, because it's important to kind of, this is a good opportunity for me to lay some of this shit out because Please. people people have misunderstood some of the things I've said over the years. I wrote a record called England Keep My Bones, right? Yeah. And it's, it's sort of, it's not a concept record, but it is in part an examination of English national identity. Now, the English have a weird relationship with with national identity and patriotism and nationalism, like in the sense that it's generally most people consider any kind of like English national pride as being beyond the pale, and and if it is, if it does exist, it's a function of the extremely racist far right who are awful cunts. Um, and excuse my language, I'm presuming oh, that it's okay for me to swear on this podcast because it's. Oh, way you, too, you, we've been fucking around. We have. It is way too late now. Yeah, no. Say what say as you will. Okay, motherfucker. But um, like so. But yeah, so so um, uh, and as a result, I did this record in Keep My Bones because I was fascinated by this idea, kind of what we're talking about here, which is how does the place you're from influence who you are? Yeah. The um, older I get, and particularly having done a lot of touring in the States and and then in Europe and, and all around the world by touring solo where I'm the only English guy in the room every night and it's like and it's clear that that's the case mm-hmm. and it's not because I'm trying to ham it up but it just is a fact and and it made me think about well okay what is it then that that is defining me in that way and which parts of me, of me it is defining and can is it escapable and if it is would I want to escape it and these are the kind of thought processes and I know you know when I was younger I very much subscribed to the idea of you know national identity is this construct and there's no such thing and blah 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 and the older I get the more I realise that that's kind of that's that's um, facile and actually you know there are parts of me that are defined by where I grew up well I mean I, I, I've studied this a bit I'm, I'm from New Jersey mm-hmm. and I grew up on the the beach uh, and there's like definitely like a localism thing. We call, I don't know what you call tourists uh, back in England, but we call, uh, by the, in Jersey we call them Bennies. Right. And people, there's like a whole movement that says like Bennies go home. And there's t-shirts, there's guys who drive around with cars and they got Bennies go home. And right. so there's this, there's this. That's, that's, that's tragic and also ineffectual well, given that if the people you're trying to say, say to go home aren't aware of your local slang then well, like but, but there's, <laughs> it's also funny because they obviously need like the tourist money to come in mm. but mm. it's more from the people who just live there and mm. just get all these people from New York who are just like litter the beach and like fill up like all the roads it becomes impossible to drive anywhere yeah, sure. just, it gets people angry but um, I studied it and there's a uh, there's like this theory of like Freud in terms of like neuroses and it's like I can say that it's. I can say that my identity is from my home, and I, by me hating you, means I love it even more. Yeah, yeah, sure, of course. Well, it's it's it's. I mean, it's the sort of tribal othering is a pretty basic oh, for sure, human, yeah. human instinct. Yeah, sure. Um, and it, and it's not a particularly attractive one, but hey, oh, you no. know, people are people. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, all that kind of shit. I think is fucking sad. Um, and. Uh, I mean, in England, and both England and America are kind of nations of immigrants. You know what I mean, and, oh, and yeah. we should celebrate that fact. But um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's I, it, it seemed like something worth kind of discussing to me, and I thought that maybe in a kind of funny way that I could perhaps try and broaden the discussion in the UK a bit, um, which maybe it did a little bit here and there. But there was also no, please. Please lead the charge. You're you're the one who's gonna go run down the side of the Thames with uh, just rallying the troops. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the other thing, the other sort of in, input to it, and I mean this this then 
folds into what we're talking about is that you know folk music in particular has always been a, ty- a type of music with a sense of place. Yeah. And, and and again, I mean, this is you know this is one of the things that I found slightly ironic about the the whole sort of thing about English national identity because it is you know for this permanently outraged people uh, on Twitter and the rest of it, like for example, talking about national Irish identity is totally fine and it's totally okay and yeah. you know people have Irish folk songs and the rest of it Though a lot of people who are fine with that will then have a problem with English national identity now obviously I'm not a moron and I know my history and I'm aware of the fact that you know um, Irish national identity is, is something that's been bred in, in opposition and in subjugation and in particular in, in subjugation from the English a lot of the time uh, and the, to the extent that it makes any sense to be proud or not proud of national history, which I'm not sure it does make any sense, but if it does, um, <laughs> the, the, the actions of the English in Ireland are not something I mean, uh, I'm proud of. I mean, there's some horrible shit that was done by English people to Irish people. Um, again, I'm not sure how much that reflects on individual people. But, yeah. um, but so, so obviously I understand why Irish and national identity and English national identity are different. But I just, you know, I feel like if we can have an adult and reasoned conversation and and kind of intelligent celebration of Irish national culture, which I think we can do and should do, then I think we can do the same thing. Well, I think it brings it back to, because like you, it's also kind of a, I don't want to say stereotype, but it's people in the more middle America areas are more patriotic or they're more like America or America. It's called M-R-K-A. M-R-K-A, yeah. And, yeah my roommate's from North Carolina. I get it all the time. But uh, he, like, there, we seem to be o- o- greatly open with the patriotism. I think that was bred right into America mm. from the get-go. Yes. Would, uh, yeah, yes. Although, I mean, that, that's, an, that's a whole separate discussion, which oh, yeah. I find very interesting, which is that America is essentially... Um, is an ideologically founded nation in a way that England isn't, in the sense that, like, you know, there is this... You guys have a constitutional document, and you have a kind of... A sort of a philosophical raison d'etre for your country. England is the country of people who happen to have been raised on a small white island in a corner of the North Atlantic. America, certainly, I mean, obviously this has changed over time, but I mean, American patriotism is more to do with ideas than English patriotism right. is. And in, fa- in fact, I mean, that's one of the things that makes America kind of unique in the world is that it's a more ideas based. Yeah, definitely, because you think about everything that like somebody's always. Uh, trying to uh, when someone tries to put somebody down or somebody is trying to threaten something it's always the idea it's always like freedom or and it, it, it's never the defense they're not defending really America you're right they are defending the ideas it's um, yeah sure well it's the ideas rather than a chunk of land right kind of thing. I mean of, of course there's you know like um, what was it called Sea to Shining Sea the whole um, oh, 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 manifest okay. destiny. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, there is there is that kind of thing. But yeah, it's 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 more. I mean, uh, of course, it's hugely problematic in places, and the kind of the sort of the parroting of words like freedom strips them of meaning. And there's been an awful lot of terrible things done in the name of theoretically of the name of American ideals, which have been counted to them. I know you know this. All of this is well known and well documented. But I, 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 I'm, I'm attracted to the. I think the American Constitution is a fantastic document that I have an awful lot of time for politically. I, and in fact, while we're here, let's talk, just briefly talk about the Cato letters and about the Levelers and about um, that whole thing and about essentially the 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 philosophical tradition which gave rise to the founding fathers to the American Constitution. It has its roots in the English Civil War. And um, in the the people like John Lilburn, who's known as Freeborn John, whose name I have tattooed on my knuckles, and uh, Richard Overton, 
And these kind of people, and after, they, after the passing of the Civil War generation, there was this whole series of things that was known as Commonwealthism, actually. Mm-hmm. There was a group of people known as the Commonwealth Men who maintained a um, correspondence between East Anglia and the Eastern Seaboard of the United States for about 100 years of spreading sort of these ideas of things like universal suffrage, equality before the law, one man, one vote, this kind of thing. And these, these, were, these were still at the time radical and rebel ideas. Um, and the, the reason why... They, they effectively became embodied so fantastically, in my opinion, in the American Constitution is because of this link with the English radical Right, and we were talking about history and all that stuff because all those guys, that was their history. Mm-hmm. That was the stuff that they came from. And I, I lived in Boston for a long period of time, and all those words that you just mentioned, I mean, they're all over the place. Mm. And, it's, and it's like almost like that's where when they were putting up like the bricks and all that stuff, it's like they were like in those words were like it was like Commonwealth in stone. And yeah. Yeah, which and that, I mean, you know, I think I think that um, as a, everyone has their kind of obsessions in life, but personally, you know, I find it. I think I think it's important to try and stress to people how how both historically and geographically rare these kind of ideas actually remain to this day. The idea that everybody should have a say in their own government and everyone should be equal before an independent judiciary and these kind of things. These these were radical ideas a mere three four hundred years ago. You know, and and we should be thankful that we live in societies that have embodied them, however imperfectly. Well, I think that I mean, even when you look back to all the like places that have like monarchies and stuff like that, I like I like to believe. Uh, I, mean, I haven't been to England in a long time, but uh, uh, that everyone is kind of evolving. Society is evolving. I mean, um, America. We just had the whole uh, legalization of the same-sex marriage, and I like mm. to think that that's society evolving mm-hmm. and coming to terms with the present and where the future is going and yeah yeah definitely but I mean I think you know there are there there are I mean my own kind of personal political kind of things that annoy me when you get people who and from all corners of the spectrum and in all the political spectrum in different times people who are blasé with what a basic what to me are the basic building blocks of a free society and I'll say it again stuff like equality before the law and, and universal suffrage and this kind of thing and particularly the equality before the law idea or trial by jury I mean there was a long and concerted attempt both by the Blair and the Cameron governments in the UK to sort of have ex- exceptions to trial by jury and all this kind of thing and it's like you know what man fuck you that's been the, since, since 1215 that has been the foundation of freedom as a concept within any society anywhere in the world well, right because you look at it it's like the person in power goes wait what I mean it's not my word it's someone else's so uh, the people are going to yeah. wait stop the English Civil War was, was fought over one question and one question only which is is the, law, is the king subject to the law um, and the king, obviously King Charles I, who was a tyrannical dickhead, was of the opinion that he was above the law and that the law should be definely sort of inspired and channeled through him and he could say whatever he wanted. People, based on the writings of Sir Edmund Coke, the, the other side, Parliament, which then developed into the Roundheads, had this idea that law stood above all men and they said we want an empire of laws and an empire of men. And it was like, even the king is bound by these precepts of a law. And... That's one of the things that sort of turned me off anarchism as I do when I was growing up, actually, is the actual realisation that at a, at a basic level, of course, there are bad laws and there are bad enforcement of laws and, and the, the power of the state is not something I'm in favour of generally. But at a more basic level, the idea of a, of, a, of a system of laws that all men are equal before and that have democratic control of their drafting is a fundamentally important thing if you wish to live in a free society. Right. Um, I, you know, when you Sorry, I'm at, ranting now. Oh, no, 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 please. Uh, when you... Uh, uh, just to bring it back to cause, middle America. Well, yeah, middle America. <laughs> uh, no, because all that stuff—it's—you're right. It goes. It's just deep within the DNA. It's mm. all. All of that leads back to it. And I think that 
surprisingly, like, because everything starts on the, you think, like, the 13 colonies, and it's all the East Coast, and then Manifest Destiny moves all the way to the West Coast. Yep. I think all those ideals are more, uh, like, held firmly in the middle American states. Like, less so. I feel like the state, the, the cities and the, the coastal areas, they have, like, are allowed for a more, like, free, everything's, like, a little bit more loose. Hmm. Um... I think even when you look at a, uh, a map of when they show like red states versus blue states, you see like this huge, you see huge chunks of uh, color in one area and one chunks of color in another area. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, I, I'm, I don't quite know, in, well, in fact, quite, I don't nearly know enough about the sort of geographical specifics of American politics to get too far down this road. Oh, no. So, yeah. but, um, and, and again, of course, you know, the kind of people who I tend to meet on tour are people who are going to be with a small L, they're going to be liberal types. You know, which is fine because that's me too. But um, well, because I'm sure, do people randomly like you'll go into like these places like if you're torn in like Kansas or whatever, and they're like, "Well, what's who's this guy? Let's go check out Frank. Well, who Frank Turner and the Sleepy yeah. Souls are?" A little. I mean, but it's you know the people who generally know who are people who are into kind of sort of the vague music scenes that I'm into. Do you know what I mean? So no, it's, I know. It's not, not quite random social questions. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like the people know what they're getting when they come see you. And I think so. so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, it's. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the case. It's Sorry. it's funny, like, I mean, um, I have a song called Glory Hallelujah, which is a kind of athe- atheist... Love it. Thank you. An atheist kind of song, and, and like, everybody in... Um, all my friends in England were like, you can't fucking play that song in the States, man, you'll get killed. Well, and I've, I've had so much more shit about that song in England well, than I've ever had in America. That's so funny, but it's funny, because I was actually driving uh, in Beverly Hills one day with my windows down, and that song came on. And that was the moment I realized, I'm like, oh, this song isn't like, it's not about the whole point that like, there's no guy, it's just live for now or whatever. But I was driving around and somebody was like, on the, cause the sidewalks are pretty closed. And they're like, someone shouted like, what are you listening to? And I was like, and I just drove away. I, I didn't, <laughs> I, cause the light turned green. I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I don't need to deal with that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's funny. I mean, you know, th- th- and I understand that some people disagree with that song. I mean, it would be nice if people of a kind of extremist sort of religious persuasion would have a little bit of fucking self-awareness. Yeah, just read you know I mean? into it instead of taking it well, and, Yeah, and just be kind of like, dude, you know, you guys did spend a couple of, hundred, a couple of thousand years shouting at other people to agree with you, and my, which is specifically not what my fucking song does. No. The song specifically says, hey man, each their own, but this is what I think. And it's also on England, Keep Your Bones, so yeah, well, that, totally. it comes back to it, yeah. Um, something, because when I first think of middle America, the one thing uh, I always think about is American football. Because uh, it always no, because it always comes into it. Like I feel like everybody has this. Like there's uh, the college sports, there's the the pro sports. It even goes back to high school. And I mean, I don't know how much TV you watch. I don't know if you ever watched Friday Night Lights, but I uh, it was this TV show that ran on NBC, and I realized like what they were doing was the entire because it ran for five years. By for the fourth year, I realized oh, this is a comment on what people are doing nowadays in the world. Like you see a kid who was brought up to be like the superstar and he goes to college and he's like I can't do it yeah, I, yeah. I don't get it I feel like from what I was seeing there like priorities are shifted into different uh, worlds and especially in the football world I mean I have friends who, who play high school football and like it gets crazy and you see like the more central you get the crazier people get towards it I, I'm, I'm okay <laughs> I, I'm not a sports guy particularly um, yeah. in the UK or in America in American football 
It's it's not really my thing. I mean, <laughs> there is a thing in England. I feel like I need to disown this statement before I make it. Uh, but it's meant with humour. But there are people in England. Those are always the best statements. Please go. People, ahead. people refer to American football as rugby with with stabilizers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like rugby with like kind of like armbands on or whatever. Anyway, but it's fine. American no. football. Not no. that I not that I would ever fucking get into a game of American football because I would be. Listen, nice I, kid. I feel like we've said a lot worse things in the yeah, 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 during sure. this episode. But like, but so the thing, so I had this thing a few years ago. I was my guy, my friend Casey used to tour manage me in the states. Lovely guy. He and I were um, we were on tour together, and it was me and him and my buddy Wa, who's from um, he's from Albuquerque actually. But we were in. We were Talk about else. nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> oh God bless Albuquerque. But um, but yeah, we, we were we were in uh, we were somewhere. We were in a bar, and basically those two were having a discussion about American football because like a season was starting or some shit. And I was slightly sitting there, kind of going, Jesus Christ, shut up. Like because I think because because I don't know anything about it at all. It's a complete mystery to me. And the two of them were like, well, they were like, fuck you, dude. What's your team? And I said, I don't, I don't have a team. And they decided that I needed to have a team, right? An American football team, and I was like, "What possible basis am I going to pick a team on?" But so then we got into this whole thing. I was like, "Okay, here are my parameters. But this is what I want out of American football team. I want the shittiest team who always lose, who are full of really sucky people, you know, and they've got a really bad strip." And you know, what I mean, I was, I was like, "I want, I want a team that I'm going to glory in their failure, kind of thing," um, because we'd already discussed that once you pick a team, that's it for life. You can't go fucking changing teams. You know, that's this. No, I know, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and we went through quite a few different teams. We talked about the Oakland Raiders for a time, um, but they, they, they win. They were pretty bad for a while, but they, they do come around every Yeah, and now. that's the thing. So, in the end, well, and the, bear in mind, this conversation was about four or five years ago. Yeah. We, in the end, we settled on, um, we settled on, settled on the Cincinnati Bengals as my team. And um, now they play pretty decent. I know, and I'm really <laughs> fucking annoyed about it because I committed. To the oh, Bengals. to having the shit team. You know, if you wanted the shit team, there's the Cleveland Browns. I know. Well, it was between the two of them, but at the time, like four or five oh, years yeah, ago, yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals were doing worse, and I put my money down on the Bengals. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. All that stuff that you mentioned in that conversation goes back to what we were talking about, tribalism, and mm. it's weird that, like, because, like, if you really think about, like, humanity and, like, where we started from, and you think about the caveman, and, and I mean, I don't, I, mean I, don't, I never knew a caveman personally, but you get into, like, oh, that's, like, where we're at in our DNA, where you come from this tribe of even animals herd in different groups and stuff like that um to feel that like that keeps that that notion just keeps coming up yeah of course well i mean well the thing about that now with him philosophical therapy but the thing about that is that like you know the idea that human beings would have like genetically lost our predisposition for that in the couple of thousand years that we've been living in civilized societies is fucking ridiculous of course we haven't and this is but this is why we should celebrate civilization because what civilization essentially means actually is the sort of control of those kind of like base urges and the direction of human activity to higher ends you know and so instead of everyone just stabbing each other for having the wrong fucking football team we have things like art and, and <laughs> that people and, can disagree on yeah right totally and we, and we have and we have politics and we have democracy and we have uh, you know f- f- I don't know we have freeways and we have television series and we have 
you know, music. novels and music, and we, and, you know, we have every, every, this is what civilization is, and it's a slight bugbear of mine when people kind of go on about like, yeah, civilization is so terrible, and it's like, no, it fucking isn't, right? Actually, it's a lot better than people beating the we shit out of each We have electricity and toilets. No matter what this this world is, it's way better than what it well, could have ever. Well, we have we have lots of people who live beyond the age of thirty five and who don't oh, yeah. and don't have terrible toothache twenty four hours a day. So and they, die. They, of can, they can go to a hospital. Yeah. And give, and give birth there with drugs. To, and yes, yeah. and you don't have to have ten children because eight of them will die of cholera. Right. Um, so you know these are things that I think that we can celebrate. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely been an advancement, and I think ultimately when we talk about Middle America and what we're talking about this entire time has been civilization. Mm. I mean, that's like the root of it because it's it's just a different ecosystem, really, of yeah. what we're putting people into. Um, I mean, I know you talked about uh, the diner in Tennessee, but I mean, is there any like glaring stories from this area that from from moving about? <laughs> um, um, I, I don't know. I mean, like I, you know, I've had. I've been fortunate enough to meet some really fantastic people around all of America and have good times and, you know, particularly like early days doing like house shows and basement shows and shit like that. Those are the best. Do you ever find any of those in America when you're just bouncing around? Yeah, I had had, um, actually, uh, I'm in Pittsburgh the day after tomorrow and the first show I ever did in Pittsburgh was in a guy called Dan's Basement because um, we had a day off from a tour opening for Floggy Molly and we didn't have a show so this dude just emailed me and said come play in my house I said yeah fuck it that's amazing so um, I played in his basement that was really fun I mean probably the most kind of like from from the point of view of the kind of slightly sort of ignorant view of America, middle America that you get from England, which we started this whole discussion with, right. probably the the most stereotypical event I had like that, which I loved so much, as I got uh, it was two years ago. We were in Norfolk, Virginia, and I got my first ever religious picket for the show. Really? And I was so happy. I was so excited. It was just like, we just finished sound check, and I was um, reading a book or something in the dressing room, and Nigel, my drummer, had gone out to get some food, and he just texted me, and he was like, dude, look out of the window of the dressing room immediately. Um, and I did, and there was like these two, three guys with like megaphones and a little oh, sign. It was two, I was just about to ask how many people was it, and it was this guy. And the thing is, like, they, the people at the venue were like, "Yeah, he's around quite a lot, that guy." So initially, I was just thinking that like it wasn't specific, but I went out to see what was going on, and then I got there, and he was shouting, "Frank Turner is a false prophet. Oh, yeah. Do not trust him." And I was like, <laughs> "Whoa, dude, fucking chill out." <laughs> Um, and then he was like, you know, my band's the Sleeping Souls, and he was like, souls don't sleep, souls go to hell. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, all souls go to hell, in which case, fuck it, man, gloves are off, let's have fun when we're here. Okay. But, okay, yeah, sorry. it was, no, and it was just, the thing is, I grew up listening to like bands like, you know, I grew up with a lot of metal and stuff like that, and you know, Black Sabbath and Maiden and the bands like that got religious pickets. And when I got my religious picket, I felt like I joined the oh, club. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd like, I'd sort of graduated to the big boys club. So <laughs> but, okay, so, this is actually something that highly interests me, are those people who get out there with like signs and stuff, and, and, and I like especially these people who only have like one or two people with them. Like, I wonder like what they're actually, like if there's a, men, in the mental mentality, is it really just to make a spectacle and make, feel, make them feel like they have a purpose? Yeah. Or are they actually trying to change something? Well, that's an interesting question, and I think that there's a kind of, there's a sort of, um, I kind of flip-flop on the issue myself because on the one hand it's like you know there you there is the whole kind of like um, fuck what everyone else thinks you know if you believe in something and you want to make a change every change starts with one person making a stand you know and I can respect that and see that kind of thing at the same time I think there's a fair degree of moral narcissism in quite a lot of that which is just that you sort of go home and pat yourself on the back for having stood in a street corner shouting at people right. 
all day. And and the bottom line, you know, this is something that I I think a lot of people realise as you get older is like, you know, the bottom line is if you want to change the world, you've got to do you've got to go into sort of mainstream politics, and it's boring and it involves compromise. And um, no one wants to do e- like either yeah. the long burn or compromise. Yeah. It takes a long time. It's it's fucking dull. It's tedious, um, and it's very rarely kind of sexy. Do you know right. what I mean? It's it's usually fucking dull, and that's a shame. But that, but that's what it, that's what it is to live in a society, in a free society, a democratic society, where there's lots of people with different opinions. Um, I, I mean, I, I, the older I get, the more slightly uncomfortable with the phrase I get when people kind of go, "I want to change the world," and it's like, "Cool, have you actually asked the world about this, or are you just going to kind of soldier on?" And well, do also, it? the world got bigger, like not literally, but like when people, I mean, after Industrial Revolution and all that stuff. I mean, I feel like 200, 300 years ago, like, or even if you look at America, like America wasn't even like really all that big and founded like when you think about like the revolution then because i'm trying to and like you see it in like more in like uh, middle east and africa and stuff like that where there there's still like some revolutions mm-hmm. uh but it definitely needs to be something that's not super highly developed like i feel like cities like i feel like once you get to a point where like you have cities and conglomerations you're not gonna be able to say like i'm going to change all of that becomes unrealistic Totally. Well, but also the thing is, my, my, I mean, you know, at the risk of possibly being a total hypocrite with what I just said, but like, you know, if my, if my, my design for the world to be to try and organize it in such a way that everybody can do whatever the fuck they want as much as possible without interfering with other people, you know, and there's a slightly kind of monolithic view of society employed by a lot of people who talk about changing the world. And it's kind of like, why, you know, obviously we, we should fight injustices and we should, you know, preserve our collective inheritance and the environment and that kind of thing. Right. But like, more than anything else, my desire is to not tell other people what to do and have them not tell me what to do. And we can all just kind of do our own thing. And if we then voluntarily choose to interact with each other, we can. But, you know, I don't want to fucking have great these great sort of monolithic people. There's a great quote, I think it was Heinlein, but I'm not sure. He said, he was like, everyone pulling together is what totalitarian societies do. Democratic societies pull in all different directions at once. And I think that's that's an excellent thought. Personally. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard when you're like, everybody do whatever they want and don't bother me, but but uh, I won't bother you. But somehow with the thing that you're doing might bother me and I might yeah, even say something. Sure. But I mean, I think that, I mean, this is liber- This is essentially just liberalism is what we're talking right. about here as defined by John Stuart Mill is that we try and sort of essentially just define us, use the harm principle and just try and get on with your life without fucking with other people. That's certainly what I try and do. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! There we go. Statement. Yeah, but um, again, going back to Middle America, this is, the best <laughs> part about this conversation is that it, Middle America starts it, and it's like, ooh, I just thought of this thing that is important. Yeah, yeah, I care we, about we, it, yeah, and then yeah. it's like, and we get a little reset. So yeah, <laughs> I just, I, I, get, I, I guess, I, here's a thought then about talking more about Middle America. I just, I enjoy the fact that it's a lot less monolithic up close than it is often perceived to be. Both, again, by people in England and people on the coast. I mean, in a way, it's kind of ridiculous talking about middle America because guess what? New Mexico and Vermont are totally different places. And one north, one south, and everything. Yeah, you know, and similarly, like, Washington State and Florida are pretty fucking different as well. And, and, I mean, they're obviously neither, none of these places, or maybe New Mexico, they're not geographically middle America, but I think they're sort of, if we're defining middle America as being that kind of, like, the bits other than the kind of headline cities, then... 
they qualify. And, I, you know, I, I enjoy that difference. It's fucking great wandering around Seattle in the rain, drinking coffee, and it's fucking great. So, um, wading through swamps in Florida. Do you know this term, deep England? Like, I, I looked, <laughs> no, because, like, in my, I, when I found out last night that this was the topic, I was like, okay, let me do a little bit of research. And, like, it seemed to be the pair the parable deep, of can, middle America. I can't, I can't say I've, I've heard the expression deep England before. That's a new one. It was like, me. here, it says like deep England refers to like the rural area of southern England. Uh, that It's like the same kind of point of views and stuff. I didn't know if it was yeah. like the same thing. That's, that's I, I didn't know if it was the same thing as... No, I mean, that, that's certainly not, not a phrase in, in common currency where, I, where I'm from. I mean, maybe other people use it, but uh, I've not heard it before. But I mean, there is there is kind of... You know, there's a similar kind of that you get. I think this happens in most societies. There's a slight kind of metropolitan disdain for some of the further fun corners of the UK, which I would probably have been guilty of when I was younger in various different guises. But again, like touring, I've played, I've toured the UK more than most. You know, I've right. done a whole shit ton of gigs in it in in the British Isles, and and it's been lovely because you actually realise that like there's so much beauty in England and in Scotland and Wales and Ireland and there's, I have a lot of friends who who know the beaches of Thailand better than they do like the Fells or the Lake District or something like that and it's kind of like cool each their own do whatever you want to do but it seems a shame to me that I've got friends who've never been north of like Watford <laughs> yeah, and, and and yet they have like they, it's like oh yeah I know, the, I know the Riviera in France really well and it's like dude fucking go to the Peak District it is so insanely beautiful it will blow your mind and, and so I think you're broaching on a great topic is that like the travel definitely does open your minds and I mean most yeah. people don't have the opportunities as a touring musician does to go Yes, of course. Yeah, I've been very, yeah, I've been very fortunate with that. Um, but it, yeah, I don't know. There's, a, I'm, I, I spend a lot of my time. I mean, I do walking is one of my sort of hobbies. I walk the South Downs Way. I walk around London a lot. This kind of thing, and it's a good way to see to see the world and the country. And I, I do spend. I'm one of those tedious fuckers who, like, at a dinner party with friends, I will spend hours shouting at them about how they should go and hang out in Northumbria because it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it was funny. I uh, the one time I was in London, um, I was living in Europe at the time, and I went for a week. I was by myself, I did all the touristy stuff in half a day, and I went, now what? So that's what I literally did, I walked around. I ended up hanging out uh, in a skate park with graffiti artists for uh, seven hours. Was that on the South Bank by any chance? I think it was, like yeah. right? I just I just, uh, I just, just spearheaded a successful campaign to save that skate park actually as it goes. So oh yeah, said. I think I took like, I must have taken like over a thousand photos and I got to, I was, hanging, I was talking to all the graffiti artists and they let me graffiti a wall. Oh nice. I, I made up a little tag and they're like, just don't put it over anybody else's and I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 sure. Uh, and so my, I, hopefully it's still there, maybe, most likely not, but. Yeah, no, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big cheerleader for London as a city, but I think that there are people who, don't know any of the rest of the UK, and that's a shame, you know? Well, yeah, because that's when someone, someone always says, like, or somebody's, uh, you meet somebody with an accent, they're like, oh, you're from London? Like, it's not like the, the immediate, yeah. the immediate thing isn't to be like, oh, no, there's other places. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know it's like, I grew up in a, in Hampshire, which is the home, known, in an area known as the home counties, which is essentially the ring of places, the rural areas immediately outside of London, mm -hmm. which, from the point of view of what we're talking about here, isn't enormously different from London. It's still, it can be pretty kind of insular and myopic and this kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, I've, 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 I've adored my fortune in being able to walk around and, and hang out and discover different parts of England, Scotland, that kind of thing. You know, I did a great, I did a Highlands of Scotland tour many years ago and ended up in that. That's like, cool. I remember I played in like a uh, warehouse above, a room above a kind of fisherman's warehouse in Lossiemouth to about 20 people and it was great and everybody was 
like really cool and it was lovely. That's awesome. And you know, and these are opportunities. These are these are memories that I will cherish until I'm old and boring. Well, you definitely probably those smaller shows in those very specific places probably de- they they hold more of a candle than any normal gig you probably play. Yeah, else. well, and certainly, I mean, lo- I mean, I do actually adore playing in London, but there is a little London crowds have a rep which is well earned of being a little bit arms folded, impress me kind of vibe, and it's because there's so nine million gigs happening. As a musician, I have to ask you, because Los Angeles annoys the crap out of me whenever I go to shows. Because, uh, I, again, I mentioned I come from Jersey and Boston. Both of those places, people get crazy at their shows. And here, it seems like to be the same thing. It's arms yeah. folded. Okay, what else we got? And yeah. I'm like, why aren't you dancing? This this is good. And like, I, I, like it's even at like places where like the music is meant for dancing. And I'm yeah. like, I yeah. can't believe it. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Um, and I think partly it's because there's a lot of people who are musicians here and there's a sort of like, you know, jealousy kind of thing roots through it, I'd imagine. You get a bit of that in London. I went to see, I got really annoyed when I went to see, went to see Postal Service at Brixton Academy in London and there was 4,800 people at the show, which is the capacity of that room. And uh, it was the whitest thing I've ever seen in my life because no one was dancing. And it's like, this is dance music, people. <laughs> like, there's, it's that's what it is. There, there it's really, okay to dance. There's a really popular blog a while ago. They made a book and it was called Things White People Do and one of those things was there was standing still at concerts and uh, no totally I mean it was like I had uh, I was with some friends at that thing who kind of started dancing and some of the people next to us were kind of going I'm like giving us like dirty looks and shit they give you looks yeah and it's like it's fucking dance music you square bastards but it definitely does always those those types of crowds they do change for the location that you're in yeah yeah uh, yeah I mean there's certainly like I mean it's I remember like one of my one of my favorite Middle America shows of recent years was we when we played in Oklahoma City, and uh, we had such a good time. The crowd was so raucous. And I just sort of I've got this kind of mental image of like the PA stack nearly falling over because people were diving off the stage so hard, something like that. Uh, the other thing I remember from that is right before we went on the promoter, his lovely guy whose name escapes me, but he he told me. He was like, you're going to play Glory Hallelujah tonight? And I was like, yeah, it's in the set. And he was like, good, I'm glad. He said, Oklahoma City is the buckle of the Bible belt. <laughs> and I was like, shit, man, that's a good that's a good expression. And then, you know what, everyone was into it. It was cool. Good, good. Well, I mean, the way I always wrap up our shows here is uh, we do something called a suggest this. It's what? really for the listener. It's basically, what do you have to suggest them? It could be like... Uh, a band or anything it could be a, a school of thought it could be a little life hack I'll start to give you something to just think about um, and I mean the reason it's called a suggest this is we both me and Chad who's not here come from improv and life you need a suggestion to start so we like to give life a suggestion okay and so my suggestion is going to be and I'm, I'm thinking about music more than anything because we've just been talking about it um, this album I love it's called uh, Love Stuff by L. King, and okay. it's this woman, and she, uh, I mean, she has this like very like soulful voice. It's like she's singing like with the attitude of like a six-year-old black man, but she's like a twenty-four-year-old small white girl, and uh, like just there's it's like it's just, the whole album is just great. You know, this is terrible radio, but I'm but L. King, did you say? Yeah, E. L. L. E. Let me let me just check one thing. Hold on, keep telling me about K-I-N-G. it. K. I. N. G. And like the one song she's got on the radio right now is called X's and O's, and it's like it's all over the radio, um, and like that's the song people know her for. But she's got like this song that's called Under Under the Influence. It's just it's it's so good, uh, mm-hmm. like and just all over the place. Like you get like songs that feel more like poppy, but you got songs that feel like 
Oh, it's just, what? She played on my last record. <laughs> no. Yeah, I didn't meet her though. Oh. This is, yeah, I knew oh, I knew. So I, funny. I fucking knew I knew the name from somewhere. Basically, what <laughs> happened was we made Tape Deck Heart with Rich Custy and Burbank. Uh-huh. And after we went home, finished the record, there was one song, the song Where I Tend to Be, there was just something that we needed to add to one of the verses. And Rich emailed me and he said, Listen, I, I really want to just add some banjo on one, on one of the tracks. And I know this girl who I'm working with right now and she plays yeah, she banjo. Got, yeah. um, and he was like, You know, is it cool with you if we just get to dub some stuff on the song? And I said, Yeah, sure, go for it. And she did. And that was her. I knew I fucking knew the name. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't meet her because I was back in London. Right, 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 yeah. But, okay. Yeah, so, so earlier, she, she, <laughs> earlier in the year, she put out this album called Love Stuff. It's like right. her, it, it's her solo album, and it's great. It's sweet. It's just great. Everybody listening, check out L King Love Stuff. I, do you have anything? Yeah, I do. I do. On a similar note, okay, so. Um, uh, my friend Jay, who goes by Beans on Toast, he's a singer-songwriter guy. He's the guy who taught me how to taught me about folk music and got me playing goose guitar. Mm-hmm. And he's opening for me on the American tour we got coming up, or uh, probably happening by the time this goes out. But um, he, uh, I was watching him, but it was a New Year's Day show actually. Um, I don't think I've been to sleep the night before, so I was in a slightly weird place. Um, this was a few years ago, and he was playing a show in my friend's bar, and there was a guy opening for him called Will. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Varley is his name and he blew my fucking mind with how good he was and I was saying to everyone who the fuck is this and everyone's like oh that's Will we know Will and he's like I don't know Will why didn't no one tell me about Will he just um, shows up at the bar yeah and he's so Will so I heard that's when I first came across him since then um, so Will at that point he self-released two records um, since then he's been signed to XML recordings which is a label that I work with um, we're touring together quite a lot um uh, you know, I sung some back vocals on his new record, which is coming out in October, I think. Uh, and um, it is, uh, it's, so it's not out yet. I've got a copy that Will gave me, and it is seriously one of the most remarkable pieces of music I've ever heard in my life. He, and I say what I'm about to say with caution and with with taste, if you like. He is as good as early Dylan. Yeah. Like, it's just mainly vocals and guitar, and his lyricism is unparalleled. And he's got a poise and, and a beauty. He's got a beautiful voice, beautiful guitar player. But honestly, you can already you can get his first two records already. Uh, so Will Varley, V A R L E Y. Um, but he's got a new record coming out soon, and uh, I, it is just it is the best record I've heard in a decade. Wow. Yeah. That's, so that's coming. Along, that's saying a lot. Yeah, and um, I, everyone should check it out. All right. Well, that was that was that's great. Cool. I uh, got two new albums for everybody to check out then. Uh, coming out soon, the L King one and the Will Will, Will, Will Vanna, yeah. Cool. Um, so uh, if anyone needs to like express hate at either me or Frank for all of the opinions, I'm at at M Solari. Um, uh, are we talking about Twitter? Yeah, yeah Twitter, at, yeah. at Frank Turner. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. That's how you can reach out to us. Yeah. Uh, Frank, uh, you have anything you want to plug going on? I got a new record out, Positive Songs for Negative People. It's out and about. Um, I think I'm right in saying the US tour will be done by the time we put this out to the world. It's Is that the, right? Your tour starts the same day we premiere. Oh, okay, so, great. Yeah, okay. so this will be going on while you're All right, cool. Well, there's American dates, and, and like we're going to be back often. Um, great. So there'll be more American shows soon. Great. Yeah, no, uh, and if you haven't heard that album, that's really, it's a really good album. Uh, Thank you. There's, uh, like, I, I have a version that has, like, half the, basically the whole album, but acoustic, like, as extra songs on it. It's really worth checking out. Um, download it. Uh, so thanks everybody. Have a great day. Keep up the good work.